Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is a crowd podcast. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international Johnny Beattie and former France hooker Benjamin Kayser. European rugby's back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, there's there's more than one way of seeing things, right? Uh, if if you're a Toulon fan, you're fucking livid. <laughs> and if, if you're a French rugby fan in general, then you're you're absolutely chuffed because I don't I think it's like a record number of, of quarterfinalists that are French representatives so, and well-deserved. My weekend did not start the best because I was in Montpellier to cover uh, Montpellier Glasgow. It was, it was actually a, a very open and fun game. But then my quarantine exemption got declined <laughs> because there was basically a problem with oh, whatever. It said I, I have, I'm allowed sort of because I went for work to have sort of a special uh, quarantine. But now things have tightened up. So I still need to self-isolate for uh, you know day two test, day eight test, uh, test and release at day five. So that was not planned. That did not come very, very well with with the boss lady because obviously when you go away from a weekend to then say five days I'm not or six days I'm doing nothing. Happy Easter. Exactly. Happy Easter. <laughs> she she went she went egg egg picking with, with the girls and the in-laws and stuff, and I stayed at home. I was gonna ask how your your Easter was. We've got a, a big time guest coming up to compliment our Champions Cup chat. But um, not a good Easter for you then, Benji. Loads of egg hunts, but not involving you. Exactly. Absolutely zero eggs with me. Um, oh, mate, it's just it's one of them um, when things were tough in, in England uh, France would not come and then now things are tough in France and England can't come so both ways I'm screwed <laughs> so it's not extraordinary I just can't wait for this thing to go let's get jabbed jabbed and jabbed again and Johnny you were working bit from the couch so better weekend for you mate, I, I don't even know why you bother traveling Benji I <laughs> found a new way of working that is glamour really little intensity like, so I did the same game as you from my couch with a piece of chocolate cake, a glass of wine. And obviously there's no quarantine, there's no testing. But yeah, just an amazing way to do it. Sit and watch the TV and commentate um, for BBC it was great fun. Saturday had, uh, well, he had one of his mate's five-year-old birthday parties, which was absolute carnage. So I decided to try and sit in the in the lounge and try and avoid the carnage, eat some Easter eggs and watch Toulouse Monster, which was pretty epic. That's why you sound so tired today, is it, Johnny? <laughs> smug, <laughs> smug and tired. <laughs> and then Sunday did the exact same. So did um, Rassing against Edinburgh from the couch with another piece of chocolate cake and some more. <laughs> it's not good, right? The, the wheels are coming off and I'm changing all sorts of shapes. But look, it's an easy way to work. Absolutely loved it um, and a good weekend. So no quarantine busting here. It's been a good weekend. Well, you mentioned it already, Benji. I was in Dublin and it wasn't a good weekend for Toulon, was it? This is one of them where I have to put aside all my anger from the quarantine situation to try to stay relatively um, politically correct. But I really do think it's, it, it's, it's a very, very, very bad outcome for everyone. So for one, you must have a disgusting, d- despicable taste in your mouth if you're a Toulon fan, because for the second time, uh, they basically get shat on. A couple of months ago, there's a threat of having some te- positive tests of Scarlet players that they were meant to play on the Saturday. Toulon had zero positives at the time, and listen, in in the it was just before um, it was just before the Christmas break and all that. So the boys were like, "Listen, we all have families behind us. 
Yes, the game of rugby is super important. There is a bit of a risk in this whole thing. Let's not play this one. And surely the authorities will actually go our way. That's basically what happened, right? Maybe they should, they should have not, whatever, but at least they tried to do something a little bit cautious. A massive outbreak from EPCR, including the French director, Vincent Gaillard, who's like, listen, this game is clean. I can guarantee you. How the fuck does he know if the game was clean? Nobody knows if the game is clean or not. And you can be, look, the France-Scotland thing. Sunday, nobody. Monday, nobody. Or sorry, Sunday, two. Monday, nobody. Tuesday, nobody. Wednesday, two. You just don't know with this thing. It's impossible to predict. So basically, long story short, Toulon already swallowed their humidity pill a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden, they've got one positive case on the Wednesday. The guy gets uh, put on, on the side. They still declare everything to, to the EPCR or whatever. They still get told to fly. They test everybody, the whole squad, once they're in, in Ireland, everybody comes back negative. And then five hours before the game, you're like, right, you can play if you swap your, 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 your whole front five and the replacement. Not your front five, your whole front rows and the replacement. And what pisses me off is that I hear that, I don't know, and again, I don't know if this is true or not. But I hear that basically it's Leinster Rugby who are saying, now, listen, we don't feel comfortable with this. We don't feel comfortable with that. So backed by the government and all that. And then EPCR then declared too long to lose. So I just think, listen, this whole European Champions Cup is hanging on by a thread. Not in terms of is it going to go through, in terms of relevance for the public. How the hell are you going to, and you can explain once, oh yeah, Exeter, the, you know, the reigning champion, you know, the one who did the, the double while well, they lost by 28 nil in Toulouse. Why COVID? Oh, yeah, but listen, no, no, no. Some teams, looking at change, Challenge Cup, I don't want to take the piss out of them. Ajan got qualified for the eighth final of Challenge Cup because they have one win. And the one win is because they won because of COVID to Benetton Treviso in Italy, so they got the bonus point. We're not going to jeopardize the, the health of the, the Leinster squad, and that I understand. So you triple check your source, and you'll be like, right, boys, I know it's shit, but we'll play the game Sunday if the whole entire squad of, of Toulon agrees to take two other tests and all of them are negative. But this never got done. And then Toulon, all of a sudden, I hear they cost them 250K just to fly the whole team to, to Dublin. And on top of that, they, they're out of a competition. I just like, this whole thing is a scam already. This whole thing is on the edge of being worthless of, you know, they're going to lift the trophy. You're like, yeah, well, it wasn't the real one this year because there's nobody understands it because guys got qualified sort of in a weird way. So I think it's an outrage. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have time to stop. We don't have time to press pause. And Sergio Parisi, as much as we love him, he was like, you know, I hope everybody's going to back yeah. us. Well, what do you mean? You're not going to pull out of the competition. No. It's, it's too complicated, right? Uh, you need got to get the ins and outs of it. And you can't pull out at the last minute. Everybody needs their money. The fans need, and the, just to, forget about the fans, the people in general need quality rugby on, on the screen, right? We, it's, it's a matter of survival at the moment. So... I think it was a disgusting piece of um, selfishness and a bit narrow-minded. I don't believe it's a vendetta against Toulon in particular. You know, we need to kill them because of what happened and because of the whole Murat Boujelal, you know, where he, 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 he did go really far, to be honest. He called them a whole <laughs> bunch of Mormons, uh, whatever it is. You know, he really did go really, really far. But that's a different time, a different era. So I don't believe it's because it's Toulon. I just think it's sad. And Johnny... I don't know what the media are saying in France. Obviously, Toulon are outraged by it, and we're not hearing too much of it in the UK. But one of the biggest issues is the EPCR cleared Toulon to travel, and then the rug was pulled from under them. So that's that's the big issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is that you, you think it's going in one direction, then something else clearly happens 28, 40 hours later. And I think that, like you talked about French media, so the, the president of Toulon has come out and said, look, we feel like we've been treated like a Kleenex. You can roll us up, use us, throw us away. We're disposable. It doesn't matter. And like to come out and say that in a like it's pretty gross, like use of words. But that's exactly how they feel. They've been shafted twice. And look, I, I don't think the other teams will feel aggrieved or feel that Toulon have been aggrieved. I don't think it's anything personal against Toulon, like you said, Benji. But they've just been so unfortunate twice. And you can't help but think then it's personal. They will take it personally. They'll feel aggrieved. They'll feel judged. They'll feel wronged. Because as a professional rugby player, no matter what team you are, all you want as an individual and part of a team is a fair crack of the whip. You want to be treated fairly like everyone else and have your chance. And for them, twice, with the rules twice against them and being judged completely differently on two different occasions, they've been on the wrong side of it. And they've absolutely come a cropper so look, it's hugely unfortunate for them the president's raging like I wanted to pick up on Parise what you said Benji and he tweeted he said look we'll see if everyone's in this together we'll see what French rugby thinks 
and he was hoping like all the other French teams are going to down tools and, and stand with them. And but there's absolutely no chance. Like everybody's desperate. It doesn't matter if it's a COVID year, non-COVID year. Every other team wants a star on their jersey, and, and so that's it. it. Like the world just keeps turning. It's a strange situation. It's horrible for them. I have no idea how they would have felt like having to get back on that plane. They would have been raging. Bad weekend for Toulon, but good weekend for the French sides in general. Five of them through to the Champions Cup quarterfinals. And we can have a chat now with a man who's normally pulling the strings for one of them. Wrestling in Scotland fly half. Finn Russell joins us. How are you, Finn? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. An unexpected weekend off. <laughs> An yeah. Easter off. I'm sure it's not how you planned it, but um, how did you spend it? I, I trained with the boys during the week and then went along to the game on, on Sunday. So Antoine, Ju- uh, Antoine Joubert, he's been playing. So I kind of had a few messages for him at halftime and... I try and help him out a little bit when um, when he's playing. So I kind of went along to yeah to help out if I could. And you mentioned you passed on some some tips to him. Like what what did you say to the rest of them? Because it certainly worked. Whatever you said. No, I think the Edinburgh they put you know they, they brought some physicality, but I think second half like Edinburgh had to put everything in in the first half to try and stay within kind of touching distance. Um, so I think they were kind of a bit tired, not not tired, but maybe they were just a bit fatigued a little bit. Yeah, second half and. Our boys are still ready to go, which we kind of showed in the second half. Um, but now for me, with Jibus, I just kind of said, start playing a bit more. We had the ball, we could have chucked it around a little bit, which we did second half, which which, which seemed to work when, when Edinburgh tired off a little bit. And I think you know, it helps for us when you had Camille at the front and and then Jordan Joseph be able to, you know, to play 20 metres every time they, they had the ball. So things like that helped us a lot. <laughs> They were freakish, the pair of them. Did yeah. you expect there to be that big a gulf in class? Like 50 points is obviously an absolute drubbing. Did you, like, obviously knowing, like knowing Hamish, knowing Jamie Ritchie, knowing, you got you know, player of the Six Nations in that team, like 50 points is a massive defeat. Like knowing both camps, did you expect it to be that big a swing? No, nah, I never at all. Um, like we joked about it in camp, some of the Edinburgh boys were <laughs> under 50 and all that. Uh, we were kind of like, having a laugh and a joke about it. But um, I think, you know, usually where Edinburgh are really dominant is their forwards. So I was kind of thinking, of, if our forwards don't front up at the weekend, then it could be a tough game. Um, but luckily, like our our boys were there, and we, you know, we managed to kind of win that that battle up front. You mentioned the forwards, but so you said how freakishly good Kamisha was. So for, I mean, a freak of nature, an athlete like you've rarely seen for a hooker. He can basically do anything. But is it fair to say that he came back after that Six Nations a little bit pissed off, a little bit sort of hurt in his in his pride because he was the number one. Yeah. He, he was almost, you know, going ahead of them to be number one of Guillaume Girado of the last World Cup in 19. So he was like, right, the, the heir to the throne, right? It was given to him. And then Julien Marchand, to be honest, has been playing absolutely phenomenal rugby. And um, and so usually they they come on at, what, 50th minute, 45th. But you could tell that Camille started losing a little bit of game time towards towards the end. So did he come back properly fired up? I'd imagine so. I mean, I've not really spoken to him about it. Um, but I think uh, for him, it'd be frustrating. Kind of. For me, I think he's the best hooker in the French team. Um you know, when we were getting ready to play against them, you're always thinking, oh, like, we hope Cammy doesn't come on till later on. Like, we hope he comes on as late as possible, which shows the kind of threat he's got. Um, and like he showed at the weekend, the kind of power he's got and, and the way he can ball carry, tackle, everything like that. It's just it's another level. So, yeah, I think he is a, he probably is frustrated with the, the Six Nations maybe not starting as much as, you know, as he wanted to or getting as much game time. But he's definitely making up for it now, I think. Yeah, he's a monster. And then not just so Camille, but the other bloke, and I caught up with you briefly in the tunnel after the Scotland-France game. So to take you back to that win in Paris, the other boys, what was the feeling? I know what the feeling was from the Scottish side. We'll get onto that in a second. But for the French boys, like Big Bernie, Leroux, Vakatawa, Camille Shad, those boys, to finish on that note, how did they find it? How was it from the French perspective and the boys that you know at Racing? Yeah, I spoke to Verme after. Like, I spoke when we saw you, I was chatting to Verme and he was kind of fine. It was, it was a game of rugby at the end of the day. Um, I think they're all they're probably a bit annoyed that Beast didn't just kick the ball out when they were ahead in the twenty-two that he then tried to run it when it didn't really make a difference for them. It didn't end up changing where they finished up in the competition, but just to have finished on a loss is probably more frustrating when they had it the ball and you know they could have kicked it out and won the game. But no, there's no, there's not been really too much said about it. It's kinda of, I think if they came back and it was straight into into the quarter final, you've not really got time to to have, like to chat about it and got and like blether away. Well you do, but you're more chatting about it the next weekend. You know, it's a big game against Edinburgh. We had to win it. It's like another final. So you've quickly got to change your mindset. Well, not me because I was obviously not playing. 
just on that France Scotland game thing, it feels like we've spent most of the last sort of six, eight weeks building up to it with Johnny and Benji. So um, we we got to chat a bit a bit about it. Johnny, it was uh, one of the best days of his life, I think. Benji, not not <laughs> quite so much. But we spent a huge amount of time discussing waffles and Fabian's excursion and and all sorts in the build up. Johnny sort of said it looked like you guys were motivated by that, by this sort of air of frustration about how it was postponed and and everything that happened around it. So was there was there a bit of a sense of frustration around it? Uh, at the time, you know, the first football, when it got cancelled in uh, the third game of the tournament, there was a bit of frustration because we kind of prepared well that week. We thought we were going to go ahead and play and then it got cancelled, obviously. But um, I suppose the current situation with COVID, that's, that is potentially going to happen. So we had to, you know, we then had three weeks that we didn't play for. So then going into the Ireland game, we're maybe a little bit, you know, we we're quite far off where we wanted to be. But, you know, you can't blame on that, but it might have had an effect. So then for us, so it maybe was a little bit of frustration, but then I think the drive that we had to win now, you know, we'd never won in France for 22 years or, or 23 years, I can't remember. We'd won in England and then we can try and do it in France. You know, we, we can really push them hard. They've got to try and chase a, a win with 20 points. They're talking about beating us by 20 points. So I think we went in there as almost yeah, as underdogs, but we knew if we played well, we'd be able to pressure the French and we ended up winning it. Which was was good for us, but I wouldn't. We never really spoke about the COVID stuff or the the game being cancelled, building up to the, the actual test. It's more just focusing on us and what we were trying to achieve. And the most important question about that France Scotland game is: you mentioned the conversation you had with Johnny after the game. He told us that you said if everywhere was open, we'd be in boom boom tonight, and I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so, do you need any more investors? Because I think we're in. <laughs> Oh, I was chatting to someone and they were saying it's closed down now. So. It was Thibaut. It was Thibaut Giroud he was telling us. Yeah, yeah, he was saying it's closed down. So, nah, it's obviously t- things have changed in, uh, in France all, all, all over the world with um, the weekends and then going out for a, a party and stuff. So, I don't know. I don't know where it'll be best once everything opens back up again. We're all itching for it to get back. So, can you just can you describe Boom Boom to us? Give us an idea. Make us feel like we're there because I'm, I'm on the brink of investing. So, it's a company that takes over called Fresh Touch on the Sundays and it's just a good laugh um, so there's a guy that Yannick put me in touch with and then I started going there and because you, you do quite often play games on Sundays um, especially I think Rasen get quite a few of them I don't know if it's because we've got the arena for whatever reason but um, that would kind of just be the place that you go to to be open on the Sundays and that would be, be where it was so and that's Yannick the uh, sixth sexiest man in Congo as well so we're there with him as well <laughs> <laughs> sign me up <laughs> Mate, seriously, how frustrating was it? Like, obviously, it's massive history for like, this is mainly French podcast, but the first time we've won in France since 1999, and you don't get to go out and celebrate it. What was there a bit of frustration? Like, I saw the state, some of the boys on the bus the next day, a proper mess. So, obviously, you had a good time in the hotel, but could you imagine what it would have been like? Like, the first time since 1926, beating England and beating France away and getting to go out and celebrate it with kilts everywhere in Paris. How good it could have been? Was there a bit of geez, it could have been insane. Yeah, I think like, you know, two years ago we'd, we'd played them over there and obviously there's there's fans. I wasn't playing to fact my cheek. Um, but I'd, again, I'd organised and it was a Sunday game as well, so obviously we're at Boom Boom. <laughs> so I'd organised it and then the boys were looking forward to it. You know, it's, when you go on away, on away trips, you know, it depends on the turnaround, but especially if it was the middle game of the tournament or the last game, you then get a week off after it. You've got a couple of days to kind of chill out after it. Um, so you can properly kind of get together as a team. So I think, yeah, it would have been good, you know, especially because I live here, I know kind of where's good to go, what to do. and So, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it's similar to the England game. You know, after the England game, we, we won. It was a massive win for us, the first game of the tournament. And then you're just on the bus straight to the, the airport to then fly back up to, to Scotland. So it's, although you're all celebrating after the game, it's a very different kind of atmosphere. And part of that's also to do with having no crowd at the game. Um, like I remember two years ago when we drew with them down there. Like I was gutted because we probably could have won that game, but like with the, with the crowd being there, the atmosphere, everything after it was, was so much better. Um, the feeling was so much better. Which is, you know, it's a shame that we won in, in France and in England because I don't know when it will next happen again, hopefully in two years' time. But, um, you know, you might not get these kind of memories that often. Um, so it's a shame that you can't spend, it's like spend them with your, like your mates or your family or whoever travels over with you. Um, I was kind of on FaceTime to my mum and dad back in, in Stirling and they were obviously loving it, but it, again, they can't do anything either. So we'll, I suppose we'll, we'll save the big celebrations for next year, maybe, I suppose. So. Stop saying it's the only time that you beat England because we beat England together with the Babas, mate. We put 62 <laughs> points on them yes. and that was the best <laughs> week of my life. <laughs> I loved it from start to finish. Oh my word, that was incredible. 
That was good. I think I've got a pretty good record against England, actually, the last few times I've played them. Any memories you can share from that week, Benji, that bar was week or any that you can remember? My extraordinary week. Uh, Pat Lamb, a mega good coach. Uh, just a, a fantastic bunch of boys. I mean, listen, we were blessed. I was talking about having very Vakatawa, but we had Simi Radradara and Josh Tuisova who didn't touch a, a drop of alcohol the whole week. So <laughs> Finn basically just had to give them the ball. They dismantled, dismantled England. I just had to chuck a line out from time to time. That's about, that's about all I did. And then all of a sudden, the Babas fever hit me. Finn Russell kicks me a my first cross, cross kick of my whole life and I'm there on the wing and I'm about to catch it and I try to flick it back inside somebody and George Ford picks it up and the England score so <laughs> oh. so, so I'm a badass in the heart not so much in the hands you know <laughs> that's, that's, that's me I was speaking to Corey about that because he got called in late on didn't he he came out the second day I think and by the end of the week he said that's the hard- he's done barbarians five times and he said oh, that was the hardest that it's ever been in terms of training life so. <laughs> and it wasn't very hard to be honest <laughs> we, we did we did do it <laughs> no nah, mate it was what I loved about it is remember day two so the first day is a massive piss up whatever and then day two I think at like we had meeting at nine o'clock in the morning Pat Lamb is mega chilled mega good guy but some boys rocked up at like five past nine um, and then the Malikai Fikitoa just comes in and he just announced the team is that right you're dropped you're on the bench he didn't drop the smile he didn't change his face, but he sort of gave a chill to the boys. You know, where everybody's giggling and you're always having a laugh and John Afoa is there, you know, touching your nuts and cracking a joke every 15 seconds. <laughs> and Pat is all for it. But all of a sudden you realize, oh, hang on. Yeah, no, we actually, we're seriously going to train, right? So that there was also some quality rugby and some quality patterns in there and it ended up in 62 points. So it's pretty good. And speaking of everything that goes with the Barbas, um, the aftermath of the, the France-Scotland game obviously the last year or so hasn't been the the Parisian experience that you were kind of hoping for it hasn't really been the experience that any of us have been hoping for but Paris in general you you seem to be loving life there how's it how's it suited you yeah I love it here I think you know the first year I was here I, um, I probably didn't expe- like do much in Paris I'd only be going to shops and I had family or friends over and I was kind of taking them into the restaurants or, or things like that but um, I think the longer I've been here and the more I've been able to chat to boys I've, I've done more more things like my French still isn't great, but it's like the more I can speak French, the more I'm able to just chat to people and find out where's good to go, what's good to do. And I'll, I'll be able to enjoy the experience more, I think. Like I'm loving it just now, but I think once I can speak better and better, I'll then I'll only get better here. But nah, in general, I'm, I'm loving it here. So I've got two more years. So hopefully by the end of that, I'll be able to speak French properly. You mentioned your French. We often get Benji to, to give people a bit of help. So he might give you some in a minute, but who's who's helping you along while you're out there? Who, who are the best French teachers in the wrestling squad? Well, we... I started off getting lessons and then I think, well, because I was then traveling back and forward to Scotland, it was then, it was quite tough to keep going to the lessons because I'd do maybe two or two months or two and a half months at the start of the year, then go back for November tests and then they'd be off for Christmas. So it kind of was really stop start with the classes. And actually a lot of the times when I probably picked up was actually after games, having a few beers with boys. Boom, boom. Trying to speak French with them. So you come in Monday and they're like, oh, no, Finn, he speaks really good French. You've got to speak French with us. And I was thinking, like, nah, this French I speak on Monday is different to what I speak on a Saturday night. <laughs> the courage. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's, what, that's what we, not, not where I learned it, but that's probably where you get the confidence to try it with the, with the boys and you make mistakes, but you don't mind. And again, the more, the more you get to know the, 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 the players here, so the better I get to know them, the more confidence I have in, in speaking to them in French. So um, it was only maybe oh, a year ago, six, seven months ago, that I said to them, like, you have to speak in French to me now because... I would try and speak in French with them, but then they'd speak in English back to me. I thought everyone would say, oh, you'll, you'll understand French better or quicker than you, you can speak it. But I think I, I, I can understand some, but I find it easier to speak because I can just like wiggle my way around words that I don't, if I don't know them or make mistakes, but not be too fussed about it. Whereas, you know, it was only until, like I said, about a year ago or six months ago that the boys started speaking French to me the whole time. So that's probably helped me improve it as well. Actually, all the players are speaking in French. We have a conversation instead of speaking in English. Mate, all the boys that are up there have said they've been really impressed by your French. Francois Tranduc, Anthony Klassen, the boys that I know said that they've been really impressed. And if you're ever in doubt, that, that all the people that speak best, in my experience, the foreigners are the biggest drinkers. So the people that drink the most get the most courage and then just go for it, or they get themselves a French missus. Have you got yourself a French missus yet, or are you still single? <laughs> no, no, I'm back with Emma. Well, that's that done. You're never going to speak French then. You're finished. Well, I, I did say that when he was over. Got a French girlfriend, and that's what helped him. So 
I think I, I come, I'll maybe compare myself to guys like Verme or Anto Glasson or whoever who's been here for like nine, ten yeah. years. And I'm thinking, oh, how can I speak like them yet? I've been here two and a half years. Surely I can, I can get there. But I think I, as well, I, I think I was saying to, to someone the other day there that I, I go back and forth a lot. So I did one year here, went back for November and back for the Six Nations. Then had the World Cup in Scotland and then came back. For, um, so although I've been here for two and a half years, I've been back home quite a lot as well, which has kind of broken it up. And then being in lockdown didn't help when you can't go out and do anything and speak to anyone. Um, I, I enjoyed going out for dinner like, every night, pretty much. <laughs> I, um, I'd always go out for dinner. And the way I made, uh, I made it, I justified it to myself and to others was by by saying, yeah, I go out and have dinner every night because that's when I get to speak to French, French to other people. Like, <laughs> order French, I can book a table in French or whatever. So that, that, that's what it was. I, I was going out to practice my French, not to not to have too lazy to cook. So look, you've gone from Glasgow where you were front man, running attack, uh, front of the environment, coming through with Gregor Townsend to like this week, I'm not sure if you've read the press this week, but in Midi Olympic, he was describing you as like an old couple. He was like, we've been through ups and downs, but actually we love each other. We've just been together too long. That's why we've fallen out, but we're mates again. Um, but how have you found general, the sort of environment change, the culture shift, the change in being in Britain and Glasgow, where you with Hoggy, Johnny Gray, young guys coming through, but, but leading so much of what was good about Glasgow Warriors, obviously winning the title for the first time with Glasgow and then coming somewhere completely different. Like from personal experience, it can be, much more relaxed like Scotland for me can be quite uptight and stringent and, and controlled here it's more you get the rugby right and you have a laugh and everything else follows so like for you your personal experience the changes that you've had how have you found the change Glasgow to Racing how's it been well that's probably the main reason I came over to France was to to get a change to get something different um, I think you know at Glasgow I loved the t- my time there and it, you know it's got me to where I am just now but I think for me it's needed a change um, Rugby wise, and just for for life, it was it became kind of the same, you know, the same every day, same week in week out. So I, I needed a change, and I thought we'd go to the Premiership, but I thought that would become very similar quickly. So I wanted to go to France, and you know, it's a completely different culture, lifestyle, everything. So um, that's why that's why I came to France, um, and then Racing. It's like you say, it's very if you're doing the job on the pitch, it can then is then relaxed off the pitch, but. It's, I find that over here they flick the switch easier than back in, in Scotland. Yeah. You know, when we go on out to train, it's like, right, you're out training, you've got an hour and a half here or whatever it is, you're going to be full on. It's, it's like, it's not just touch, it's like shoulders on every time you train. And the, then the intensity in training's, you know, it's, it's as high as back home, but in a different way. Um, I think back home in Glasgow when I was there, it was all about playing as fast as we could. And it was really intense as a, like the speed of the sessions. But over here, it's different. There's more co- sort of contact. There's more just like in a rugby almost that you're doing all the time, which has been good. And I, I like it like that, where you can go out, you can train, you can get that done. And once you're done having lunch and you finish for the day, you can then completely switch off from it, knowing that that's like your work's been done for the day. Rest, do what you need to do. And then come the next day, we're going to have to be ready to go again. Um, and same for, for after the games and, and the weekends and stuff. You know, once you, you play the game, if you lose it, it's then you, you, know, you might get a hard time there in the, the changing room. But then you know the next day you can just switch off, do what you want, and then come Monday you'll deal with it again. Or if you win, you can celebrate, but then come Monday it's like the start of a new, a new week, you've got to be ready to go again, um, which I found pretty good. And I think at Rassen, it was um, it was Toto and Lolo, so, um, who were the coaches when I first came over. And they were they were both like, they're just French speaking. For me, it was quite hard to interact with them. Um, so to have a, my say in attack and, and what I thought was quite hard at the start with you know the limited French that I had, and then now with Mike being there, he's obviously an English speaker. I've got, I work with him so closely on the attack and what we're going to do that week and what happened at the weekend and what we need to do. And so I've got a much, you know, a better relationship with Mike because we can speak English, which then probably influences how I'm playing and how the teams may be playing. I'm lucky, I'm lucky that I've got the chance to do it, but I'm happy I picked Racing as well because it seems like a great club. I was going to say, in terms of the move itself, obviously you mentioned like Premiership would have been an option. I'm sure there were lots of other offers in in France. You don't have to tell us where the other offers were. Um, yeah, it does. But, <laughs> why Racing? What swung it? Was it was it did Jackie Lorenzetti meet you? Did he did he wee you? What did he say? Was it the ground? What, what particularly about Racing swung it for them? I was funny. My dad actually said to me like two years before that he reckoned that if I was going to go to France. So I got a bad head injury and after that I was thinking like, I really want to go to France and experience it. 
see what it's like at some point in my career because when I got my head injury, it was close to maybe being me finished playing rugby. So then at that sort of point, we were kind of, I was sort of looking at teams a little bit, but not too much. And my dad, he said, well, Dan Carter's at Rassin, but he's like 33 or whatever age he was. He'll probably be finishing up after this contract there. They'll be looking for someone else to come in and fill that place. And that was kind of like a year and a half out that's in from when I actually signed. So I was kind of like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see, I suppose. But, but then I, well, I tried to go to Montpellier as well with Vern. When he, when he went to Montpellier, I was trying to get over there as he wanted me to go. But that never happened. So then my dad turned out to be right in the end, actually. But no, I think, yeah, the stadium's one, and the stadium's amazing. The, the training centre's amazing. But, um, you know, I, just, I, I went across a couple of times and just chatted to the, you know, to Jackie, to the coaches, and just kind of had to look around. And no, I loved it since, you know, since I first came across. It seemed like a really good club and a good, like, good fun place to be. Jackie, you know, he's obviously the, the president of the club, but he's, he's a really, like, a normal guy. As, you know, he comes in and has coffees in the, the clubhouse and stuff, and it's not like, oh, like, there's a president, but you, you can't have a laugh, you can't have a joke. It's, like I say, it's very much when you're, work, you're working, when you're off, it's, it's off. And, and Jackie, like I say, will sit and have coffees and just chill out and chat away to the boys. You know, some of the boys you'll know, you know, you'll have known on Misha Wonsi for, I don't know, like 13, 15 years, I don't know how long. So he's got a lot of mates in the team as well as, as the, the, the players. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really nice atmosphere, actually, at the club. So it's good. You enjoy the arena thing, like the stadium. So like if you get purists from down south, so all my rugby being down south, right? And when they come up, they're like, what is this? But then I think if you're thinking of the future of the game, you think about like as soon as the game's finished, everyone has the party on the pitch. Like you've got the the music, you've got, it's absolutely bonkers. In terms of a stadium where you play rugby, it, it makes me think of like an NFL ground, what I imagine that would be like. But do you think that's where the future of rugby is going to go? Is it a pretty cool place to play rugby? The surface looks awesome. But in terms of an environment, is it is it good crack and a place to play? Yeah, I think I love it. Um, and I think it kind of suits us as a team. Um, we love playing in it. But like, like you said, it's like, you know, I think Jackie got the guys who do the the sound systems and the, the light systems. And for the, the Super Bowl, they came in and did the stadium and stuff as well. So it's probably has had a bit of an influence from the American sports. Um, and it's a little bit kind of entertaining that the fans who are there, but then as players, you then get a, an extra kind of buzz off that, a bit of energy from that. So it would be, it's very different to playing down in, I suppose, Toulon or Montpellier or whatever. But I think as well down there, you get nice weather for most of the year. Up in Paris, it's not as good weather. Um, you know, especially over the winter, it gets quite cold up here. So It's heated, eh? Yeah, it's 22 degrees all the time. So Next level. Like the Edinburgh boys were chanting them at the weekend. They were like, how hot was it in there? It was too hot. <laughs> <laughs> it was 22 degrees, but... You forget about that, you know, you go in at one at half one the kickoff was at the weekend. I had like trousers and a tracky top on and you got to take it off because you're too warm and inside and then you, you then forget what time of day it is as well because because you're indoors you don't see the light, you don't know what's happening. So then you go back outside and it's it's sunny again, you're thinking like how's this? I was kind of caught up in the moment when you're in the game or when you're watching, which is which is good. Um but no, I love it. I love I love playing there. I think it's a great stadium and it probably is especially for you know, maybe in England and Scotland, if, if they have the money for it, it could be, potentially be a future for them to have, you know, a good dry ball to play with every week. Uh, but then it probably change the way that all the teams want to play. If that was the case, and you wouldn't get the teams who just let the forwards carry and kick the high balls. And I suppose you kind of need them. I suppose, but. <laughs> and Finn, the, the arena seems to suit you perfectly. Obviously, your your style of game, um, Racing seem to to suit you perfectly. And we know you've got the full range of tricks. I remember seeing you in a, in a game last year and I think it went, went viral doing juggling in the warm up and, and everything. You, you seem to play with a smile on your face, which we all love, but do you get a bit annoyed from time to time that you're always tagged as the Maverick or whatever, because we've seen you control games with your, your boot as well. Like do, does it ever annoy you that that you always get tagged with that rather than people saying you're all round game? Oh, cause I suppose I'm just used to it now. That's just what everyone refers to me as. Like he's a maverick. They don't really like you're saying. Not, it's an easy word to say because that's what got chucked around at the start when I first came through with Glasgow. It was maybe a different style of rugby that I was trying to play, which is now how most teams play. But um, at the time, it was like, oh, he's a maverick. He does, and that, that name's just now linked with me, I suppose. Um, you know, all the journalists will say, oh, yeah, for Russell, the Maverick or the Maverick, blah, blah, blah. And I think it annoys my mum and dad more than it does me. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, it's 
that's just it's just going to be there now. So, um, but no, I think um, you know the Six Nations there against England and France and, and these sort of games. I didn't if I, if I don't do something that's on all four or some kind of pass or kick, it's like often oh, had a really quiet game. But it's like well, I've just maybe just controlled the game differently. I've not had to do anything fancy. I've not had to do that awful. I've not had to do that kick. It's just these occasions haven't come up. So, which is now it's just that's how it is. You know, if I don't do something like that in a game, it's then referred to as a quiet game. Um, whereas maybe if some other teams would do, would have had the same game. It's like I had a good game. He controlled it, and that's just how it is. Um, don't give us that shit. You love the sparkly <laughs> stuff. Oh no, I do, I do love it. Maybe you didn't do anything because you had to control the game because that's how good you are. But but in all, but you do look for it, and that's that's probably the X factor that racing wants from you. You know, they, yeah. they're not expecting Virimi Vakatawa to chuck it up and then you know give us a, a meter of of possession and then give a clean ball. No, you want him to do his thing, and the same for you. So it's, there's, I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong. If you're the Maverick, then fuck it. Yeah, you'll be the Maverick. It might be a little bit reductive because that's not only what you are. Fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, come on! I mean, when you when you're that good and you can do some crazy stuff like that, you might as well embrace it. No, no, yeah, I do love doing it. These are the the skills that are just kind of like a challenge, and I suppose, or it's kind of it's you know it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice skill to do, or to have a, a thing like that. That's kind of my job. It's you know you might get someone like Duan who runs over three defenders and scores in the corner, but that like me hitting a, a nice crossfield kick or a chip over the top is. For me, I, I get pleasure doing that. Look, the Maverick tag is a compliment in one sense because it means that your technical ability exactly. is there and you can make it look easy, which is really, really hard to do. Not many people on the planet can do it. So it's a compliment for me. I think the Maverick thing comes in because people, you have a smile on your face and that's also quite rare that somebody can execute at that level and enjoy it and enjoy the atmosphere and look like they're really enjoying our sport at a professional level. That's even more rare. And so I think that's where people get confused. And they also don't see, like, Maverick for me has real negative connotations. I don't see as, like, we've played together. didn't see as Maverick at all. Joy to play with, great bloke. They also don't see the work and the graft that goes in behind the scenes. So, like, you're ultimately the decision maker. You're the driver. You're, you're the boss of the attack structure. You're there analyzing every week, opposition, weak points, sweet points. How do we go and play? Like the work that goes in, there's no way that you could be tired as a, ma as a maverick. It's just impossible. So I love it. Like we only got to play something like five or six tests together, I think. But um, no, nah, maverick stuff for me, it annoys me when I see you tagged in the press because like we get to watch you week in, week out for racing and we don't see a maverick. We see somebody that's at the top of their game and absolutely bossing the top 14. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, I wanted to ask you on that though, when you're going to a different level and you're going to racing, obviously different pace structures, different levels and different people around you, how much fun has it been when you've got Shivansi, Vakatawa, Beal, Zebo, like what Teddy Toma, like you've got freaks everywhere. How much fun is it getting to organize organize those guys during the week and then go out and play with them at the weekend? I love it. I think with me, it's really it's it's not going to be better. It's maybe maybe more consistent in terms of I've, I'm playing with some of the best guys in the world, so I need to make sure I'm at their level. I want to be kind of still the main guy in the team who's like say controlling the attack, running the show. So. When you're some of the best players in the world, I've got to be at the top of my game every week to to be able to do that, you know. Um, I think, you know, me and Verima and Zeeves especially, we have a laugh in the pitch. You know, me and Verima are like, like, just run that line, I'll chuck you the ball and you just go. It's, it's kind of similar to what we did at the Barbarians or Semi. He was like, just give me the ball and let me go. <laughs> so easy. Like that. But yeah, just chuck me the ball and I'll go, I've got them. He's, he, and I'll be saying, like, yeah, look for him doing this. Look for him. We kind of just chat the whole way through the game and it's nothing... We don't try anything too crazy. It's just like we do simple things well and we kind of read off each other really well. And one thing that me and Jeeves have really clicked on doing is kind of like, he'll be saying to me, right, this guy's getting tired, he's getting tired. Just look for this now because the last time they did this, 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 this and this. So if we get that, they're going to do it again to so look for that. And a few times we've, we've scored tries, made breaks or whatever. And it's always because of things that the defence have done over the last four or five phases. And then he's seen it and I'm seeing it and we're all seeing it together. And then we're good enough that we're able to execute straight away. So, you know, it could be, like I said, small things like Verimi going on a bounce. So, like, Verimi, you, you hit a bounce when you're against him. He'll be able to see, right, that guy's in front of me now. I can hit that bounce and knowing that I, well, I can hit him in that pass where he needs it to be, then we can we can go from there. It's just kind of small things and being able to execute them really well, which is probably why it's so much fun because you throw that nice pass, you let Verimi go on his way and, and it's funny. <laughs> then he's got a big smile when he's running into the trial line. You know, it's, <laughs> well, it's going to be fun. Another guy who had a proper smile on his face, and I'm sure Virimi grew up watching him. It was Sivi Vatu. 
And I played with him three years in Clermont, mate. He was absolutely hilarious. And so it wasn't even, let's have a goal, let's have a crack. It's whenever we did plays during the week, because Vern Cotter was my coach in Clermont, and he would go through those long plays, and you're going to go through, the, hit the fours. And you could do CV Vatu every single time. It was about a four touching the ball. He's going, really? Because you have a really <laughs> high-pitched voice. Really? We have to? We have to, bro? Okay, okay, okay. And as soon as the overlap was ready, every time he would say on the pitch, he was like, as soon as there's space, give me the ball, get out of the way. And that's all he wanted. It was just like, give me the ball, give me the He was that good. You talk about Virimi, I said he was power walking, where Sivivatu was walking. He was like moonwalking backwards, whatever. But he would, he's the only guy that I've seen actually dummy a guy barely standing. He was, I think his feet were static. He just went whoop like that. He managed to dummy a guy. He was just next level in that, in the, for that stuff. Mate, I was with him in cast as well. So the Cava oh, yeah. King, he's the only man that has managed to, I don't know how, but he's imported the level of Cava that I think is allowed for the island of Fiji. He imports the whole thing to France. He's like the, the main distributor for the whole country of France. He's, he's a freak, but he's right. He's the only man that could throw that dummy that you'd see 20 times in training, like nobody's going to buy that. And he'd sell the whole stand down the corner if you're off scoring the corner. Do you find it easier playing with players? Like certainly I did, but do you find it easier clicking up a gear when you've got guys around you that can operate at that level? Like, We've seen the chip kicks, like with Vakatawa. Obviously, it's communication between you and it's called and you just have to execute and, and put it on a sixpence. Have you found playing with boys that are at that level week in, week out, A, it drags your standards up, but almost in some respects makes it easier because they're so good? Yeah, I think it's both of them. You know, uh, like I say, for me, I'm trying to be at their level or, you know, I'm trying to be as good as I can be, but then to be at their level, you've got to be there every week, week in, week out. Over here, you know, you've got to be ready to play week in, week out, whereas in Glasgow, you play three or four games and you get a weekend off if you're a Scottish international. So part of it's that the players you play with and part of it's probably getting that um, consistency playing with them all the time. You know, there's, there's times that you'll go on like a 12, 13 match run and play with the same team. So then you get that consistency. You get you get those bonds with each other that you can then do stuff without even having to say it almost. Like you say, the chip kicks. Like me and Vinamy know, I, I know that if he calls it, it's going to be on. So I'm going to trust him to do that. And he knows if he calls it, I'm going to look for it. So you get these relationships and these um, these kind of bonds with the different different teammates and how how I like to play, how they like to play, what their traits are, and and how you like to do it. Which when you you know if you're playing in Glasgow and you play three games and a weekend off and they change a the team up, then they're constantly rotating the team. That's hard to consistently get this, this sort of similar team week in week out. Yeah, you might have the same nine and ten every week or nine, ten, fifteen, but then centers are constantly changing, wingers, forwards, it's always changing. So they do rotate here a little bit, but. You know, you're generally playing with the same guys. Or... You mentioned your relationship with uh, Virumbi Vakatawa and Simon Zebo on the pitch, and Johnny mentioned Carver before. Is he? Um, has he got you on the the Carver in the dressing room, Vakatawa? No, I've not had Carver. Well, I think I've had a one seed of, of him or Joro Kokoko or Ben Volavola, but no, not not too much actually. They, they do it once a week, I think maybe. But whenever I get back after training, I've, I tend just to kind of chill out. So, but I remember I, the last time I did it, I think was. Proper as the Barbarians, actually, with Semi and uh, Josh. Uh, two nights out from the game, we were doing it. So that was the last time I properly drank it. Now I'm staying away from that, thankfully. The good <laughs> stuff. Mate, so going on to another one of your teammates, Simon Zebo. Obviously, you're pretty close. White chocolate is his pet name for you, which is a nice big compliment. Um, he also has given you a bit of sticks so that you're driving around Paris in a white Lamborghini. Can you, A, put rest uh, or put that to bed and tell us what you're actually driving in Paris? Are you in a white Lamborghini? And B, how much are you going to miss Zebo when he moves on to NVU? Obviously, you're good mates and he's moving on to pastures new. How much are you going to miss him? Um, I'm unfortunately not driving about in a white Lamborghini. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blue one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get the club cars. So um, because the club's sponsored by Toyota, we either, we either get Toyotas or Lexus to drive around in. So currently, I've got a Lexus. Yeah, not, not quite the Lamborghini, but it's, it's fine. I don't know what trust having a Lamborghini in, in Paris with some of the... <laughs> nah drivers the parking just everything here i don't mind driving here but i wouldn't want to drive you know a 200 grand car around around in paris and so simon like obviously you're good mates you work really well together on the field how much are you going to miss not having him with you on the field and off the field uh, come the end of this season I don't, I don't know if he knows what he's doing yet next year um i think he, you know he'd like to stay wrestling there's, there's some talk of him maybe going back home there's some talk of a, of a couple other clubs in france um so i'm not sure what's um I've tried to get out of him, but he's not saved much, so he's keeping his cards quite close to his chest. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll be gutted. If, if he does leave, I'll be gutted. Um, I got on with him so well. You know, when we first moved over, he was lived in 
living like 500 meters around the corner from me. So, and we just clicked straight away. Like the first night we met, we just kind of clicked and had a laugh. And I think that's what everyone sees in the pitch as well and, and off it. You know, I, I think he's, he's a great player as well. I think he's one of the best that I've played with. So I, 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 I think, you know, he should definitely be in the Ireland squad and probably starting from, in my opinion. And he's, you know, he's just kind of fallen out of favour here a little bit. I think he's had a couple of injuries and kind of fallen out of favour, but I love playing alongside him because as well as I'm being a great player, but we have such a laugh in the pitch, which it's probably not what you should be doing. Like we're on the pitch just having a laugh, but we're, we're playing really well when we're doing it. And that's really how we get the best from each other. Like I said, when we played Munster over there, he, he had one point when he saw their prop was struggling and he's kind of picking them out and they'd run at him, do this and do that. And then... I think Juan went on, I made a break, then Juan went on and scored the try. And me and Zeb were just laughing to each other after it, saying, he was like, I told you it was going to work, I told you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And we were just like laughing around it. So, no, nah, nah, I, I love him. I'd be going so well on the pitch and off it. So, if he does if he does end up leaving, then I'll be, I'll be gutted, you know. He's a, he's a big character to have in the team. And, you know, he lifts everyone's spirits, which is, is really good. And whether he's playing or not, he's always, he's always having a laugh. His favourite ones um, before the game, it's just ambience like that. That's all he shouts before the game. Ambience <laughs> like that, ambience. And I'm like, what are you on about? Like, <laughs> just like shouting out of the back and laughing away. And- Keep doing what you're doing. We love seeing smiles on your faces. Don't um, don't ever change. And um, speaking of smiles on faces and looking forward, we can't let you go without mentioning the Lions, of course. Have you spoken to Scotland? I mean, obviously, last time you sort of went on the Lions tour, you were involved for a very short period of time. Obviously, it's in your in your mind. How much are you looking forward to that kind of prospect? Obviously, you've got to get picked first. But oh, I'd love to go on the tour, obviously. I think, you know, when I went on the last one, it was only for 10 days. So, I, you know, you experience it a little bit. But by that point, the, the tour's cut into the, you know, the, the test 23 and then the, the midweek 23. So, it's a very different kind of environment when you're in the you know, in the, the, the midweek 23, and then, you know, there's only two of us that ended up getting on out of the eight that, that travelled out. So, you know, it was amazing to do it and to, to experience a little bit. Um, so that, if, you know, if I was to go this year, I'd love to do the full tour and, and experience what that's like, because I've, I've heard it's just an amazing thing to do. However, it will, it will be different with if, with COVID and with fans probably not being able to travel. It'll be very different as well. But um, I would just love to see what it's like. And, and you know, that's the... The highest level you can you can play at for a for a UK player, UK and Irish player. So to, to go there and do that and test yourself with the, the best in the in the, the countries, then it'd be, it'd be a great great experience. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's still a, a long way away. I think I was chatting to Gregor after the Six Nations, and he was saying, you know, he had a good tournament, blah blah blah, and all the best for the summer sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, it's thanks, but it's still, you know, it could be like fifteen or twelve games left in the. In the season here, so there's you know there's still a lot of rugby left. So you never know um, what will what, happen. Um, I don't know. End up well. I've got a few weeks off just now, so that will be good for the body. But a big a big run to the end of the season, so that would be that be full on enough. So you can't kind of let yourself start thinking about about oh if I get picked, what's going to be like, and oh, you, you can't think about the summer. I've got to be fully focused here, and you know we're trying to win a couple of titles with Racing this year. So if we manage to do that and, and I go on the tour, then obviously that'd be the best outcome, but I've got to focus on, on on here first and then the rest will take care of itself. And as you said, there's lots of rugby to be played. Um, obviously, Racing going to Bordeaux this weekend, the first quarterfinal that Bordeaux have qualified for. How do you see that going? What have Racing got to get right? Obviously, you know Bordeaux really well. Christophe Urios' team star-studded lineup as well. How do you see that going and what the Racing need to get right going to Bordeaux to get themselves through the semis? One of the main things will be will be the forwards again. You know, if we can get it right up front and be as physical as we were and dominate like we did at the weekend, then it makes everything a lot easier. I think the, well, I think the weather's not meant to be the best this weekend, so it could come down to whoever controls the game better. You know, Jalabert he plays obviously for for Bordeaux and he's one of the best tens in France just now, so he's he's not a big threat and he's he's a young guy as well. So it'll be interesting to see what what it's like him against uh, Antoine Joubert um, for us. You know, both young players, so. I'll be I'll, I'll be trying to help help Jibus this week and, and get him ready for for the game at the weekend. If it's raining, what he can do and how he can prepare, and I'll, I'll be watching quite a lot of Bordeaux stuff with him to try and help him out as much as possible. It's a big game, especially front row. It's big Ben Tamafuna. He obviously left Racing last year um, to go down there. So yeah, you know, so for for them, they'll have a, a challenge in their own in the front row. They, I, I don't know what goes on in there, obviously, but um, they they'll be having a you know a challenge. 
a challenge of their own in, in there and, and hopefully his backs were able to perform like we did at the weekend. You know, um, Henri, obviously, he, he picked up an injury at the weekend, so we'll probably have a, a different centre partnership, but I'm, I'll be, hopefully it's currently at 12 and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him properly unleash it and get, get going at, at 12. You know, I think he's, he's a great player, so I think the more we get his hands on the ball, the more, you know, the, the more dangerous it will be for, for us. Well, thanks ever so much for coming on and sharing your insight, Finn. And um, good luck in the coaching capacity this weekend and um, in the run into the end of the season with wrestling. And hopefully see you in South Africa with the Lions as well. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. We'll see. Get a win this weekend and we'll, we'll go from there. So. Cheers, Finn. Thanks a lot, mate. Good luck, mate. Cheers. Go well. And we'll see you in Boom Boom very soon as well, Finn. Yes. It's open. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. Lovely bloke. And I just wish I'd gotten the chance to play more with him. Like coming through my generation, it was Phil Godman, Dan Parks, sort of stuff. Like we didn't really show much in attack. It would have been awesome to have played a bit more with him. You'd have had at least a couple more international tries if you'd played longer alongside Finjan. All I'm saying is if he kicked crossfield kicks to me, I'd have, got, I'd have scored at least. <laughs> he did it to Benji and I don't think it turned out very well, did it, Benji? <laughs> no. no. But Benji, you'd have been hung over after a seven-day bender with the Babas. Like, I've been oh, there mate. as well. It's not it's hard. I, t- I tell you what, there was a, there was a room, I think it was room 712, I can't remember, which was Josh Matavisi and myself. And we <laughs> did that room proud. We were out every single oh, night mate, as much as we could. And Josh Matavisi was the best roomie I could possibly dream of having. He was amazing. What I heard is that they picked, they went to sign Finn Russell because of the arena. Right, we're going to fill this, this stadium, this indoor stadium of positive rugby, um, you know, open sort of players. Virimi Vakatawa is obviously part of that. Teddy Toma also, Juan Imov, um, and, 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 and you name them, you know? And so what number 10 chucks the ball around can create magic out of nothing, is afraid of nothing, is basically which number 10 at the moment is the biggest showman in the world? Finn Russell, let's go and get him. Hello, I'm Garrett Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And this is your official invite to come and join our brand new cycling club. Now, good news, it's a podcast too. So you can come and listen to us, try and build this club from scratch, and we'll have a few familiar faces joining us for the ride too. Right, G, time to tell everyone what we've called this club. Well, we thought long and hard about this, so we come up with a strong original name that really stands out. The Garen Thomas Cycling Club. Yeah, I suppose it's easy to remember at least, isn't it? We will have new episodes for you every single Tuesday. Come and join us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, we chatted about Racing's win over Edinburgh, but let's chat about the other Champions Cup, the last 16 games now, then. And Claremont left it late, didn't they, Benji? Mate, uh, well, it, it wasn't a very good game, to be totally honest. Uh, they didn't play that well for at least 60 minutes. But that last, what, that last play, that last, those last three, four minutes, I was absolutely delighted. Obviously, not only by the outcome, but by the way they did it. So you could tell there was a team who really cared about this competition. Um, I think, Johnny, you sent me something. I wasn't aware of it, but apparently there was a sort of a, 
a threat of a COVID case in the Wasp ranks. And two hours before the game, the players heard about it. So there was whole Toulon thing back all over again about what's going to happen, you know? So maybe, maybe that that uh, had a little bit of an effect on, especially in the start of their game, where, where the first half they got bollocked by Wasps, to be honest. Um, and Wasps, when, when they're on, they they play some really quality, good open rugby that fits to 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 Europe to Champions Cup. But listen, that last play by Morgan Power, who just brought why he's good, right? He knows where to play, how to play, and how to use people. And he got them to do. You know, when somebody you could tell that a team is doing what one person is telling them to do. Was there a forward pass, Benji, from Paratelli? No. <laughs> No, no, honestly, it's it's a tight margin, but I think it's flat-ish. I, I, I loved it and stuff. The, my only issue is that if I compare it to all the other games I saw in terms of the quality of rugby that was played, it was a division under. And Toulouse, only the fifth team to win away at Munster in the European Cup. That was top level, wasn't it? Uh, to be fair, Munster played some fantastic rugby. Yeah, both sides. Uh, D'Alende was, was, was incredible. Um, you know, they really played well. But listen, to, to lose when they get on, when when they're really fired up, sometimes they're unstoppable. I have a feeling that I would like to see them play in their tougher conditions and stuff. We're talking about the arena. In the arena, <laughs> they're, they're a tough team to, to, to stop because they're fast, because they're positive, because they like to chuck the ball around and all that. I mean, there's that Matisse Lebel, obviously, that new winger oh. that everybody's going to see, the tight tip where he sat down. Was it JJ? JJ uh, Hanrahan. Was Hanrahan. He's off the club. Yeah, he's off the club. Signing, signed who's Clermont. signing Clermont. So just as in a sign, the big signing and stuff, he sat him down. <gasps> Um, but I mean, listen, when they're on fire, they're incredible. Antoine Dupont is just uh, non nonstop. Romain Tamak really stepped up compared to his last yeah. performances. Uh, he's doing it a lot better. And that's that team, again, was led by their captain, which I think is becoming the best hooker in the world at the moment, is Julien Marchand. Amen. He was unstoppable. He is, he's like, you know everything that you guys loved about what well, you guys that the English loved about Jamie George and I love Jamie George I think he's reliable and he's sturdy and he, the reason why it sort of made sense to make him the Lions hooker and everybody was happy with it because he throws well he's good in defense he does nothing wrong you know what I mean he's good he's got good hands he's great in defense whatever Julien Marchand is the same but he's better. got to that level now he's, he's even better in defense but he doesn't maybe have uh, sort of the, you know the overall ball carrying ability whatever but I think he's phenomenal and he's really getting better and better and better every week. And I really wonder where, 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 where his limit is, but I, I, I'm delighted. And to be honest, I reckon, I reckon now he's the vice captain of the French team. Yeah. So I reckon next time you'll see something with Olivon, I reckon he'll be the one that will, that will step up. And you never know what will happen this summer if France do tour to Australia and they decide to rest Charles Olivon. I think that's something that I've heard because he's, he's a little bit oversteamed. I reckon he could be the next captain to the point of maybe keeping it. So I was in Montpellier doing Montpellier-Glasgow and obviously now the head coach is Philippe Saint-André. But he was saying, even though he, he, I think he got released in the press that Moed Al-Khad is thinking of investing at, with for the All Blacks. Yes. He said he had this conversation. Moed Al-Khad said, oh, he's like smoking something. I think I might I think I might become an all black sponsor. Is that what are you talking about? How much do they want for you? Oh just 19 million euros. Like, okay, well that's that's a fair bit of my money. Like, yeah, yeah, but Sean Spitzpatrick, you know, called me and he's a really lovely guy. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then Philippe is like, Do you know that with a quarter of this money, you can build your new academy that you want to build in Montpellier? You could do this, you can do that. I think this guy's got too much money. Yeah. To talk about chucking money in rugby, as a joke, I told Philippe. You know, if there's a guy where I would have an open checkbook at the moment, it would be Julien Marchand. And and Philippe just looked at me, his eyes start, you know, watering. And he's like, mate, I, I, for him, at the moment, how good he is, I would be ready to break a bank. It's not going to happen because he's re-signed three years in Toulouse. But, but that's to tell you how much, well, that's usually hookers don't really shine, you know, to the point of being like, right, like Montpellier last year. They, they want to sign Finn Russell. Now they signed André Pollard, right? That's the guys that you bank. And we should look ahead to the Champions Cup quarterfinals this weekend. So let's go through them. Who are you picking? Uh, La Rochelle, Sale. La Rochelle. La Rochelle. Right, I, reckon, I reckon they'll smoke them. Oof, I, I don't know about smoke it, but I just think they've got too much. Like They've been too good consistently for too long. 
And especially when you think about the story and how far they've come from pro, they do really not that long ago, but consistently been excellent. And they've added a bit of sparkle the past couple of seasons. John yeah. O'Gibbs, who also, again, another, we haven't talked about him, but rumoured to be along the shortlist with Olivier Magne, who came out and said he had a meeting with the president of Clermont as well. Like, like La Rochelle have been so good under him and um, Ron Nogara. So look, I 100% La Rochelle at home. It, uh, say on the quality side and stuff, but I really do think La Rochelle will, will, will eat them up. And then they're in the semi. That's just, it's, for me, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for them to go this year. Exeter against Leinster. For me, that's the hardest one to call. And probably to like the two red hot UK and Irish teams and, and have been over the past five years. Um, I think I'm going to stick down Exeter. And the only, the single reason, the only reason is because Leinster didn't play last week. So there's a lot of guys that have been rested, didn't play in their Pro 14 final that they won against Munster two weekends ago. So Sexton and company didn't play. Um, they went with guys that had been playing domestically through the year. They didn't take back all their internationals who didn't get that much game time. And so for that reason, I think they might be slightly ring rusty. So I'm going to go for Exeter at home who have been superb I, again over the piece for the past 12 months. They've been they've been great. Benji? <laughs> There's no French clubs. <laughs> <We're> careless. <laughs> no, no. Two, two fantastic sides and uh, pff, no clue. Yeah, so I, I go for Exeter just because they're the champions uh, pff, and they're mega powerful. Probably a team that does not suit Leinster at all because they're very different. But again, can then Leinster outpace them? I don't know. But I would go small margins to Exeter. And then a couple of games you'll definitely be interested in, Benji. The all French ones, Bordeaux, Racing and Clermont Toulouse. Which way are they going? Yeah, really, really, really tough. So as much as I think I was delighted by the Bordeaux win last week, I didn't see that Bristol win come that way, that easy. Um, some really, I mean, I'm, oh no, let's, let's skip that one because otherwise you're going to be harsh. But but the ref was was our mate, Mike, Mike uh, what is it, Adamson? Yeah, he was whistle happy, um, no? Weird, weird decisions. Mate, this is some extraordinary decisions. So I spent 80 minutes laughing. But in the end, in the end, I still think, which is what is mostly matters, the best team won. Do you know what the best bit of that game was? It was that every time Mikey whistled, Christoph Urios is right next to Mike. So you can hear everything he says after every re every reaction was live on French TV when Mikey blew his whistle and he was hilarious. Jalibert got awarded a try. Nobody saw what happened. There was not one angle showing Mikey a, a did. try. I, no, because that's the thing. When he asked the question, he's like, well, tell me what happens because I didn't see a thing. And then they were try, and everybody's looking at each other. All right, sweet. Then uh, Bordeaux intercept. Iging Botam clearly knocks it on on Radradra. And then he doesn't give any. I mean, there were millions of decisions that you just didn't see what were, where they were going. But but Bordeaux deserved to win. They really uh, came with heart and passion and gut and took on and took on Bristol. I do think that I'm, I'm a little bit scared for the for for the my Bordeaux mates uh, because racing come in with a lot more experience of the international rugby, with a lot more depth, but racing go without Finn. So I will say a small, small margin for Bordeaux, but a very tight game. And for the Clermont-Toulouse one, my heart says Clermont. My head is very, very scared. <laughs> Mate, I, I think I'm the exact same. So I, I just think Bordeaux, like under Christophe, people forget as well that they finished, before the, the league was scrapped last year, they, they finished first like the champions of autumn, everything was going really well. They were flying and then COVID hit and the wheels kind of came off. And I just think they sort of got that pragmatic, rude, physical Christoph Urios approach that sets them apart. I think they've been great to watch um, since he arrived. Rassing, like you said, for me, I think they're at the end of a cycle. So you guys like Francois Tranduc moving on, Zebo going, uh, Donica Ryan, I think is going in this year. I think it was Don Bird got badly injured at the weekend. I think they're going to be missing a few people, different areas as well. You thought before, traditionally, they were really strong, like back row, physical carriers. They just look a bit young and light in that area. Although Jordan Joseph was superb at the weekend. I just think in big games like that, experience counts. And look, when you're missing a guy like Finn, uh, your first choice 10, when you're up against Jalibert and an organized team like Bordeaux, hard to break down. I just think as much as I want to say for Rassing for Finn, um, that they'll go through. I think Bordeaux will get to their first ever semi this weekend. And mate, I completely agree with you for Clermont as well. I just think Toulouse, 
this year and what they've shown and how they played in that game at Munster. Again, going to Clermont when you've got fans in the stadium, it's a different proposition. It's intimidating. And I just think the way they play isn't scaring me. As much as they've got those freakish individuals we talked about, Moala, Matsushima, I just think Toulouse have too much. I think they're too good, um, well-organized, offloading continuity, able to break down a game and change it when they want. And so I think that Toulouse will get a pretty famous win win, um, in Clermont this weekend. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. And a big thanks to all of you guys for listening as well. If you started listening during the Six Nations, stick with us because the French club sides are on the rise and we look forward to watching the Champions Cup quarterfinals this weekend. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review and we'll be back next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.